the Schroeder's 2022 U.S. Retirement Survey found that only 22% of 60 to 67-year-olds who are still working feel that they have enough money saved to retire. So that's kind of sad. Hi, I'm John Sullivan with 401k Specialist, and this is the 401k Specialist Podcast. Developing an effective investment menu for 401k plan sponsors is always a tricky yet interesting proposition. Include too few options and it lacks proper diversification, but add too many and plan participants are quickly overwhelmed. Schroeder's Deb Boyden, head of U.S. Defined Contribution, is here to help us figure it out. She explains what and what not to include, the value of active and passive options, and best practices for advisors when educating employees. Deb, what do you think is the single most important consideration for an advisor when consulting with plan sponsors on what to include in the menu? Well, first, John, thanks for having me today. And that's a great question. You know, advisors play a critical role in helping participants reach their retirement goals by creating a diversified investment menu. So by that, I mean, certainly we all know a mix of stocks and bond options in a lineup at a high level is diversification. But those further benefit to diversify within the equity asset class, including products that vary in capitalization and domicile. So, for instance, equities of different capitalizations and domiciles tend to rise and fall at different times. Similarly, the results of growth and value styles diverge and have performed differently over time. So by offering options in U.S., non-U.S., growth and value styles and different capitalizations can really help participants to reduce the impact of volatility. To the same degree... Not all bonds respond in the same way to market conditions. Interest rates, for example, something we're very familiar about right now, is one of the factors that determines the bond market conditions. And we're well aware that we're in a rising rate environment right now, so this is top of mind. But having diversified bonds, different types of bonds within a portfolio mix is important. Now, alternative investments in DC plans has been an interesting debate. And while alternative assets offer a source of diversification and they're used in DB plans for that reason, given the low correlation to traditional investments, they also can be very volatile and should be used cautiously. So the way that we're seeing plans and advisors and working with plans using alternatives is maybe not as a standalone product, but perhaps as a multi-asset product. So the participant is getting the benefit of the alternatives but without having to know how to professionally manage that particular instrument. And that leads me to including a QDIA, which most plans include now in the form of target date funds. And while target date funds are an excellent choice for participants who want well-diversified professionally managed portfolios, QDIA options that are more personalized are becoming more widely available whereby including personalized data, household data, specific goals, all of those data points can create a more precise allocation and can create a, a, better, goal, a better ability to meet their retirement goals. So creating a diversified menu is typically a top consideration for advisors. Uh, what is the right number of options to include in, in a menu, do you think, Deb? Is there a uh, number? 
Yes, uh, good question. And, and it's and now becomes the challenge of what I all everything I just outlined, taking all of what I talked about in consideration without creating an overwhelmingly long plan lineup and therefore overwhelming participants and really overwhelming the advisor and plans to have to monitor a very long list. Generally, the best practice is about 12 to 20 fund choices, and that can provide enough variety to accomplish diversification without becoming too overwhelming. In fact, the Schroeder's 2022 U.S. survey, retirement survey, found that 76% of respondents don't have a written retirement plan and find the idea of planning one daunting. So for advisors, the message is clear. Whenever possible, keep it simple. Great. Should products and strategies that specifically hedge against inflation be included, especially now, or do well-diversified options solve for that issue, Deb? Yeah, there are certainly products that hedge against inflation and utilized in defined contribution plans and should be considered as part of the overall diversified portfolio. But jumping into a product that hedges against inflation as a reaction to market conditions is not recommended. Short-term market fluctuations leading to participants taking knee-jerk reactions could disrupt an already divorce, diversified portfolio designed already designed to handle different market conditions and could lead to participants locking in losses. So to answer your question, yes, they should be included as part of the overall planning, but not for market timing purposes. So that brings us to our next question, which is really about just panic. Um, are plan participants better about staying invested through market shocks? And if so, why? Yeah, timely question. In times like now, where volatility is constant, it's important for advisors and plan sponsors to send the message to stay the course, help participants to hold on to their diversified portfolios when volatility spikes, encourage a long-term perspective to avoid market timing. Many individuals to try to, will try to time the market, but no one has that crystal ball, and history has demonstrated over and over that it's next to impossible to predict market conditions. But again, if you're properly diversified and continue to contribute to your plan, you're in the best position to meet your retirement goals, even in volatile times. So, so much of this comes down to to education, obviously. What are some best practices when educating sponsors and participants about the menu? And you just jump out. Yeah, for sure. Helping participants select and stay the course is another important role for the advisor and plan sponsor significant value that an advisor can bring to a plan is an education plan. So an education plan shouldn't be one and done um, at enrollment, for, for instance. It should be an ongoing drip on participants. And using a variety of media should be used to send those communications. And one, because one mode of communication may work for one demographic or generation, but another medium may work for another. It's important to meet the audience where they are, and that's very different across a very large participant base or even a small participant base. For example, Gen Zers <laughs> just learned this day, or maybe I should know this, I'm just watching my daughter. They get their information from TikTok for everything, even for investing in financial planning. It's called FinTalk is the hashtag where they go for investment information. So I'm not suggesting that advisors start posting on TikTok. But I'm suggesting that our industry needs to adapt to the different generations, genders, ethnic backgrounds, and, lang and languages, and so on. 
an extension of education or in other terms, financial wellness is advice and guidance. The, the Schroeder's 2022 U.S. Retirement Survey found that only 22% of 60 to 67-year-olds who are still working feel that they have enough money saved to retire. So that's kind of sad. <laughs> and, and there are more tools than ever to help advisors have access to efficiently and effectively help participants narrow their gap. And financial wellness advice and guidance is coming to the market in multiple forms, technology being the biggest driver. So that's another form of education. But again, the message is clear. Simplicity is key. So in the education, using real words, not investment jargon, that's going to resonate best with individuals to take action. And John, I know you have an entire podcast dedicated to this topic. So it's it's really important. So what's going on at Schroeder's, Deb? What, what are you guys focusing on now? Yeah, so one of the questions we're constantly hearing from plan sponsors and advisors is they're starting to consider adding ESG or sustainable products to their investment lineup. Or they maybe don't know if they want to, but they don't even know where to begin to evaluate um, adding or considering ESG products. And given Schroeder's deep roots in sustainable investing, we have the practices that we've used in-house and created a sustainability framework for DC plans. And it's simply a guide that advisors can use to walk through all the considerations when evaluating and adding and potentially adding ESG products to their lineup, including if it makes sense how to implement. So even if a plan decides the timing isn't right for them in ESG, products and adding ESG products to the lineup, at least they have the tools and the guidance to make an informed decision and then the tools to add them when they're ready. So that's something that um, we're spending a lot of time on right now at Schroeder's. So it looks like there's some ESG pushback of recently. Um, do you think that that has legs? You know, I, yeah, there, there's always been uh, two sides to this debate. And um, it, you know, the facts remain that participants are looking for adding ESG products to their lineup. And um, the plans need to consider the entire participant base and some want to add them, some don't. And then if you do add them, what appeals to one person may not appeal to another person or what the value is in one person may be different to another. So it's certainly an ongoing debate. We we're all patiently awaiting uh, guidance in, from the right. DOL on this topic. And that's why we're preparing our plan sponsors and advisors now to be able to react to when that final ruling does come into play. Deb Boyden, that's exactly what we needed. Thank you so much for joining us. I do appreciate it. Thank you, John. Always great to see you. 